Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. Let's try it again. There we go. Good morning. How are you doing? Man, I'm tired. I've been out there in the bounce house. Actually, I just walked up here. That's all it took. <laughs> but uh, I haven't been in a bounce house in a while. How long has it been since you've been in a bounce house? And I'm going to try to avoid it again today because, uh, because I'm fragile. <laughs> I love this story. This is a, a crazy story in the New Testament in Mark chapter 2 that it tells us about just, just to picture this, uh, Jesus is teaching in Capernaum, Capernaum, and it appears that he's in his own house. It says he went home to Capernaum, and he's in his own house or a house that he's rented or you know, that he's staying with somebody, but he's at home, and he's teaching, and the crowd has become so great that that have gathered, you know, in the house and outside the house that nobody else can get in. And so just imagine this. Jesus is teaching, or just like we're here today, and I'm teaching, and all of a sudden, a hole, a small hole, is formed in the roof. And, you know, and which is going to, there's no way you can dig a hole, and it says they dug into the roof. So there's no way you can get in that roof without creating debris below right? And so they're making a mess. And so they're, they're making a hole in the roof, whether it's a thatch roof or whatever kind of roof it is. Uh, they're making a hole in the roof. And then these four friends of this paralyzed man, they let him down from the roof, which is, you know, scary in itself. You know, because it'd be so easy for somebody to mess that up to where you actually were, end up being worse than paralyzed. Uh, and so they let him down in front of Jesus. I mean, the, the, this whole affair has probably pretty much brought the teaching to a halt. I mean, you know, how can you continue teaching when someone is digging a hole in the roof of your house, right? And so they let the man down and... Jesus uh, heals him. <laughs> he says, your sins are forgiven. And the guy walks out of there. So then it was worth it. Now, that's the kind of friends you want to have. Friends that will really take a risk for you, that will believe in you. I mean, these are, these are some committed friends. They're committed to, to helping this guy overcome his process, they believe that, that what's happened. And so bringing their, they believe in who Jesus is, the Messiah. So bringing this man to Jesus is amazing. Life was never meant to be done alone. When we're alone, we more easily believe the lies of Satan, the lies that are told us. Alone, it's easy for us to even fall into sin if we feel like there's nobody there to watch us or, or catch us. Uh, we're also 
succumb to temptation easier if we're by ourselves. Uh, it's also easier to get discouraged, if, to get weary if there's nobody there to encourage you when you get discouraged. When you're alone, the, the dark seems darker. Isn't it amazing how being in a dark place and alone, it just can, it's like, it, you can see the same place in the middle of the day and it's like totally different. But you're walking in this, an area in darkness. Same is true of if, if you were in, in water, in deep water by yourself. Uh, in the first service, I made a mistake, but we went, Tina and I went snorkeling. I said scuba diving. We weren't scuba diving. We were just, we were doing the cheap route. Uh, we were snorkeling but we were in Hawaii and there's a crater there and I can't remember the name of it. Uh, there's, a, there's a crater there off, off the coast several miles that on one side of the crater, the water's about 30 or 40 feet deep. Molokai, that's it, the Molokai crater, thank you. And then on the other side of the crater, it drops off several hundred feet. So, so you can swim around the edge of that crater and just peer into that, you know, it seems like, I mean, once you go, once you go 100 feet, it seems like endless darkness anyway. But, but we were there, you know, on a boat with a bunch of other people. There's like, like 75 of us, and there were like three or four boats lined up there anchored along this, this coastline for the snorkeling. Of course, there wasn't anything to see but people because there were so many people, there was no fish around. But you could, you know, watch other people trying to swim. So that was fun. Uh, but can you imagine that it, it changes it totally from a fun activity to terror if they go off and leave you there by yourself? It's just different. When you're, when you're by yourself, when you're alone, it, it just seems scarier. And we weren't really meant to do life alone. But one of the things that we probably all learned, not every relationship is helpful. There are relationships that are good for us, and there are relationships that are not so good for us. The Bible calls some people that we are in relationship with fools, a foolish person. Now, I'm not saying this out of meanness because I've been a fool, uh, especially when I was younger. I was, I was a fool. I was, uh, I was having supper with one of my oldest friends this last week. And I've known him since I was like seven years old, and we grew up all through high school, and we did some foolish things. He had a 55 Chevy, which, you know, in 1970 wasn't that old. <laughs> but he had a 55 Chevy, but for some reason, the floorboards, this Chevy had been abandoned and had set on its floorboards, and the floorboards were rotted out of it. And so... A friend of ours had cut some, some aluminum plate to lay in the floorboards so that there wouldn't be holes to the, you know, all the way through to the pavement. Those were so handy. So you could drive down the road and throw out firecrackers out from under the car, you know. And that, that, that old 55 Chevy, it had, it had, had a six-cylinder in it. It never had a good battery in it. We had to push it a lot of the time to get it started. That was kind of the routine. Uh, but we, Abilene is a lot like here. We never really got snow. We would get ice. And a couple of times in my life, we got two or three inches of just really good skating rink ice. 
just covered everything. And we, we behind that 65 Chevy, no, 55 Chevy, we pulled a car hood uh, behind it. And then we pulled a sled that I had until we wore the runners off. And then uh, the last thing we tried was a Coke box. You know, just sitting in a Coke box with a, with a rope tied to the bumper. Don't try this at home, kids. Uh, <laughs> and we, you know, now it's amazing. There were, there were a lot of other stuff, things like that. Stupid things, foolish things that could have easily led to our death. We never thought of it that way at all. We just thought it was fun, right? So, so you got to watch out. Sometimes you can, you know, I was a fool and I've been a fool myself. Uh, uh, so the Bible warns us against foolish friends. Beware of foolish friends. Proverbs 27, 22 says, though you grind, grind a fool with a mortar and pestle, I, in the first service, I, I read this pedestal. So it's, that's not it. It's pestle. And my good friend, my wife, corrected me and said, you said pedestal. So she's the friend who corrects me when he did. Along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. Proverbs 22, verse 3 says, A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Psalm 14, 1 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. A fool is a person whose actions are controlled by their emotions and their desires. What they feel is the truth. We are, we are in an age today, and we've been talking about the gospel culture. We're taking this little break today so that everybody who's mad at me can kind of not be as mad as they have been. So we've been talking about... But in our culture today, our culture does not believe in absolute truth. They, they don't believe in absolute truth. They, they believe that all truth is relative. Except it, you can, the only thing they, they believe absolutely is that there is no absolute truth. Which doesn't really work out. But anyway, that's what they say. They say what you feel is truth. So whatever you feel to be the truth is truth. So that causes us a lot of problems. So Everybody can feel a different way, and what they feel is truth. So our culture today is greatly uh, embroiled in this reality. So a fool is led by their feelings, and so they will, you know, plunge ahead into mortal danger, spiritual danger, uh, and often just stumble from one crisis to another. Have you, ever, have you ever known someone that their life was just a series of crises? just bad decision, and then they, they, they meet that bad decision with another bad decision. And then they meet that bad decision with another bad decision. I mean, it's just like they can't seem to, and, and you, try to, you try to reason with them, and, and they think they're going to feel their way out of it. They're going to emotion their way out of it. Fools are not without intelligence, but they are without moral and spiritual sensibilities because they've never learned to fear the Lord. Fools are naive, and they don't have discernment. That's why they make so, so many mistakes. And therefore, find themselves in trouble constantly because they believe everything and they believe anything. They believe the last TikTok is true. And we're, we're increasing. Have you seen the stuff that they're creating with AI now? Where they can create AI? 
videos that look, they can put the, change the people in them, and they can create AI photos and videos. Maybe you saw the AI video of Donald Trump being arrested, and it showed him resisting arrest. You know, they were able to, so they, they've created some AI now political ads. So we're, we're on the verge of, of this propaganda, this, <laughs> these lies being even more difficult to disprove. So uh, fools get in trouble because they believe everything they see or hear, and they believe anything. If you have to be careful. I, I, I hear people, people all the time tell me about things they've heard or seen on the Internet. The Internet is full of, of really good stuff, and it is full of really bad stuff. And it is so difficult. I think I said last week, it's not, when you go on the internet, it's not looking for a needle in a haystack. It's looking for a needle in a stack of needles and trying to find the one, the one that's good. So fools are, are naive without discernment. And you don't want to walk with a fool because if you spend time with a fool, a, a, per, a person who's dictated by their feelings, then the Bible says it will affect you that you can become like them because you spend time with a fool. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. You can get caught up in stuff because you're with foolish people. You can get caught up in stuff that can have lifelong devastating effects. You can just be present with them doing stupid things and you get implicated in their crimes, so to speak. So, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, don't be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. So a lot, a lot of good people make bad decisions when they get with a crowd and are influenced by the crowd. They are swayed by the opinion of multiple people. Yeah, well, you know, I want to fit in because we, who doesn't want to fit in? Who doesn't want to be liked? We all want to be liked. Foolish friends give us guidance based on comfort and happiness, not on truth and godliness. Great story in the Bible where Jesus has taken the disciples up to Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi was, was outside of the realm of, of real Jewish. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a good place where good Jewish boys would go. It was, uh, it was a Gentile city, and in Caesarea Philippi, they had a grotto there. They called the Grotto of Pan, and there they worshipped the god Pan. There was a, there was a cave that had a deep pool, and the Greeks believed, and then the Romans believed also with them, the Greeks first, uh, believed that uh, deep places like that, caves, were the entrance to Hades. So at one of these, at this grotto, Pan's Grotto, they had, they had places carved in it, and they believed that they had a festival there every year that Pan would appear. You know, Pan, I don't know if you, Pan is the the head of a man, the body of a horse. That's the image of Pan. So, and he plays a flute. I don't know how you, you know, who, I haven't figured that out. But anyway, uh, <laughs> it's hard to play, a, you know, with hooves and a flute. It doesn't work out. 
<laughs> so so he, he's, he's taken them up there, and this is where he makes the declaration. Uh, he says, who do you say that I am? And the disciples said, well, you know, people say you're, you know, John the Baptist you, uh, or Elijah or, you know, one of the prophets. Jesus says, no, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. The son, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Simon, uh, I, I can't believe that you've got this insight, that flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but our Father's in heaven. He's basically saying, hey, Simon, you've really got a hold of this. It's kind of above your pay grade. Uh, this is, you know, I, I'm, it's amazing you figured this out. And so, you know, they're celebrating that. They're, they're rejoicing in that. And it says in verse 21, and from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised on the third day. Now, this is one of many times that he told them very clearly what was happening. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me for you're not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. I mean, so Peter, one moment has this brilliant revelation from God. And the next moment, uh, he's giving his opinion. And Jesus is saying, hey, shut up. That's not God's will for my life. You, you don't understand what God's will is. You're, you're trying to hinder God's plan. So get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. And here's the thing. Peter thought he was being helpful, but he was being a hindrance. What Peter assumed was, you know, godly friendship. He's encouraging his friend here that he's not going to have to have difficult days. Jesus called satanic opposition. You see, a friend can be a fool and they can encourage you to go against the will of God in your life. You know, you need to, you need to abandon your marriage because, you know, you're not happy and you deserve to be happy. Really? Is that, that's, that's it? You deserve to be happy? We're going to define all of life that I deserve to be happy? Well, then I'm not getting out of bed. I'm not going to work. I'm not doing any. If that's if it's just I deserve to be happy. You know, that's not the truth. That's not a reality. But we we tell ourselves that. And and a good a, a friend may tell us things that we want to hear, not what we need to hear. Peter's in telling him, you know, surely you're not gonna have to suffer. But you know, here's the reality: marriage is hard. Marriage is not hard every day, or nobody would get married, right? But marriage has some hard days, because you end up marrying almost someone who's very different than you, very different. If, you, if you're a man, you just marry a woman, that's very different. Every day is a, can be a challenge, but there are great and wonderful days they make it all worthwhile, but there's also very difficult days. That's the reality of life. Parenting is exactly the same way. 
I mean, the greatest joy in the world is to take a child home from the hospital. About three days later, you want to show up and take them back. <laughs> because they haven't slept. You haven't slept in three days. You're delirious. And I don't, I don't know how this even got here, but I don't want it anymore. But parenting is a delight. But there's going to be days where you, you think, is there someplace I can go and resign? Uh, because it's a challenge. So, but if you're just living for the joy of the moment, you're not going to push through. If you just have friends that tell you, you deserve to be happy. No, you, do, you need to do the right thing. You need to do God's will for your life. You need to do God's purpose for your life. You're going to see God's purpose fulfilled after you do God's will. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Progress is very seldom easy. Caitlin used to be a deadlifter. And she's, you know, you don't think of that when you see her, but she was very, very good. She's very good at it. But she would tell you that the only way to get better is to hurt. <laughs> the only way to get stronger, have you, any of you ever, you know, if, if you want to get stronger, you have to push yourself beyond what is comfortable. And so the Lord challenges us. So if a friend is a fool, they'll, they'll, they'll encourage you to take the easier route. Many, even Christian young people, will date a non-Christian thinking that, you know, I'll win them over to Christ after we get married. And I, let me warn you, that very rarely happens. Because the motivation to change is always before the marriage, not after the marriage. Everyone is on their best behavior during courtship. After the marriage, that mountain of unbelief will seem larger and larger than it was before. Now, here's the reality. There's fools. Does that mean we don't show love to people? Here's the reality. If we're talking about anybody in the world, anybody, we should show the love of Christ to everyone around us. That's the call. That's the challenge. As we live in the world, we're to shine like stars in the midst of a dark and perverse, crooked world. That's, that's the call. God's called us to be stars in the midst of a crooked, perverse generation. But you shouldn't make committed friends of fools because they will bring you down. So what kind of friends do you want to have? Well, you want to have good friends. Who's <laughs> been a bad friend and a good friend? Well, there's a big difference. A good friend... First of all, a good friend is going to love you enough to tell you the truth. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So Tina, between the services, said to me, Randy, you said pedestal, not pestle. And I, should, I could have gone home pouting. I can't believe she said that. I'm the man of God. But um, see, don't you appreciate somebody, if you got something on your teeth, Someone says, hey, are your pants unzipped? That's why I like wearing my shirts untucked because there have been a couple of times I've gone home and gone, oh, man, my pants were unzipped the whole time. I'm glad I didn't raise my hands. See, a faithful friend is going to ask you tough questions. They're going to ask you about how's, how are you doing? And they're not going to settle for fine. How are you doing? Fine. Everybody's fine. We're fine. 
but you don't seem like you're doing so fine. How are you doing? I'm not doing fine. A faithful friend is going to ask you, hey, I haven't been seeing you at church. What are you doing? How come you haven't been in church? A faithful friend is going to ask you. A faithful friend is going to ask you, hey, have you been spending time in God's Word? I, I, I notice you don't have any trouble spending time in that phone. Are you spending time in God's Word? How about prayer? Are you spending quality time with your family, with your wife and your children? You know, you, know, you need friends that will confront you. Maybe, maybe you're spending too much time doing other stuff. You need to be careful, especially when you have young kids in the home. There may be activities that you love doing. You need to stop because you need to be with your kids. You need to be with your wife. You may be great at something. You may be a great sportsman. You may be great at baseball or basketball or softball or, or hunting or fishing. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Those are all great things to do. But you need to make sure that you're not doing them in a way so that you're escaping from your family responsibility. And so you need, if you, you need friends that will say, hey, what's going on? Or, you know, and it, and it can go both ways. So a faithful friend's going to ask you tough questions. They're going to ask you about, you know, how, how, how are your workplace relationships? Have you got anybody that you're being inappropriate with at work? That you have built an inappropriate relationship? Affairs begin often in a work environment. Uh, men have affairs not with the, the most beautiful woman in the office. Men have affairs with women who make them feel good about themselves. So if you're doing a job, you're doing it well, and you've got a, you know, a little secretary flittering around there or an assistant or somebody that's your boss, I don't know, and they, they brag on your job and how good a job you're doing, that you're very susceptible to, those, to that because men are ego-driven. Women should be cherished and loved and appreciated. That women, to be cherished feels like love to a woman. So in a work environment, if a man listens to a woman, women have affairs with men who listen to them. You know, gonna, I didn't mean to talk about this in friendship. <laughs> but... Those are, those are the kind of things that are very destructive in a, in a family life. I mean, it's destructive on a life. And you need friends that would say, hey, how are your relationships? When you're going out of town and you're traveling for business, how are you not watching porn on the motel TV? Have you built any kind of relationship where there's, you've got people that can hold you at any level of accountability, where they can question you and challenge you? Because we need those kinds of friends. We need friends that can sharpen us. We always talk about, man, that person was sharp. They were intelligent. They, they seemed, to, you know, seemed to dress well. They were sharp. How you get sharp? The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. That's how a friend sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So a true friend is going to help you be sharper, <laughs> more sharp. He's going to help you be a better person. 
Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. A good friend is going to encourage you in God, encourage you to follow God. He's going to remind you because sometimes we forget. He's going to remind you of what God's word says. And he's going to remind you of how God's been faithful to you already. Hebrews 13, 3.13 says, But exhort one another day by day, so long as it's called a day, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we exhort, that's to speak to, to challenge, to preach to. We need to preach to each other day by day, as long as we have opportunity, because we get, we get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The, the way sin works is that it's, it's very subtle. And it's often difficult to recognize. So it's good to have a, a second or a third pair of eyeballs, <laughs> a brain that can help you see what's going on. So faithful friends are going to help you when the going gets tough. They're going to be with you. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. The best way to determine who your real friends are is that who is with you through the crisis. Adversity is like a filter. It separates those who are loyal from those who are not. You often can't tell who your true friends are until adversity appears. You know, remember the story of the prodigal? So the prodigal took all of his inheritance and ran away from home. And he was spending all of his money on prostitutes and loose living. And when he ran out of money, he ran out of friends. So they weren't really friends, were they? They were just in him for the money. Now, adversity, adversity shows us who our true friends are. When, when it's tough, when, when we're broke, when we need help, you know who your true friends are? Your true friends are the ones who will help you move. Or they'll help pay the people to move. It's actually not that expensive, I found out. That's a good route to go. <clears throat> Hertz will actually rent out people for 25 bucks an hour, and they'll go help people move, and you never have to get behind a refrigerator. I never want to have to get behind a refrigerator again and try to push it up the ramp of a U-Haul truck. Right? That's a game for a younger man. <laughs> so, what kind of friends do you want to have? I want to have good friends that are going to help me, challenge me, help me follow Christ. They're going to support me and encourage me, be with me through adversity. But the kind of friends you want to have is the kind of friend you have to be. If you want to have friends, you have to be a friend. Proverbs 18, 24, a man who has friends must be, himself be friendly. You have to reach out and be the kind of person you expect others to be towards you. How do you expect others to be towards you? I've also had people complain to me that in the church, you know, said, I've been going to this church for three years and nobody's asked me out to go eat lunch. And I said, well, how many people have you asked out? Well, Nobody. Because you're just sitting back waiting for somebody to ask you out. That's great. But, man, you've been here long enough. You ought to, you, you're not an asky. You're an asker. Right? And in the, in the game of friendship, 
the next move is always yours. Because if you want to build a friendship, if you sit around and thinking, I wish they'd call me, call them. Call somebody. Hey, you want to go? I can't even think what you can do anymore, you know? You want to go do something? You want to go out and fertilize the yard or something? <laughs> so we go, well, can't go to the movies. Well, let's go, no, we can't watch any of those TV shows. Hey, no, can't do that. Okay. But in other words, you have to be willing to, to put yourself out there. John Ortberg, Ortberg, in his book, this is the title of his book, Everybody is Normal Until You Get to Know Them. <laughs> this is why the experience of authentic community is so life-giving. We're taking our place in fellowship with life itself. When I'm in isolation, I'm lonely. When I'm in community, I experience what might be called fullness of heart. The human heart is forever empty if closed in upon itself. In community, the div divine community, especially, a heart comes alive. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For wherever man sows, he will also reap. So what if you don't have friends? There may be some reasons why you don't have friends. Number one, you may complain too much. If you're always, when you're around people, you always pull out your wine list. It's just, you know, people are like, oh, they see you coming like, oh. uh, maybe there's too much drama. Have you ever had a, been in a relationship with someone just their life is drama and drama upon drama? And they all want to, they want to tell you about it. Maybe because you're selfish and inflexible. Have you ever been in a relationship with a selfish person? He wasn't, he wasn't, none of you that are near him. That didn't apply to any of y'all. <laughs> but we have. I mean, have you, like, they always have to have their way. I mean, you try to go, you, so you get a group of, there's, let me finish this if I can. <laughs> you get a group of people together. The hardest thing in the world is get a group to make a decision. You get more than like, I mean, it's hard with two people, right? I mean, today's going to be easy because you, maybe you're going to eat here because we got food here, so that makes that pretty easy. Where do you want to eat? Here? Okay. But every other week, it's where do you want to eat? Okay? And so everybody says, hey, let's go to Whataburger. There's always the one person that will not go to wherever you say. <laughs> There's one person, one selfish person, whoever you are, repent right now in the name of Jesus. <laughs> but am I right? You can say, okay, hey, hey, we're all going to go. We're going to all go to the restaurant. And he was, oh, I don't want to eat there. Like, oh, you can never. Okay, so you can be selfish and inflexible. I went on vacation with a group of people and there was one person in the group that was selfish and inflexible, and they just made us all miserable. Everything we wanted to do, they never wanted to do it. Now, it was like, hey, we're going to go do this. No, I don't want to do that. Hey, let's go eat. I'm not hungry. And then when we'd be done eating, man, I'm starving. Yeah, because you didn't eat when we did. So <laughs> the fourth thing is 
you keep score. Just like I was. <laughs> I should have left that out. Uh, you gossip. You gossip. Now, I had an old friend. The first church that I pastored had a sweet little lady. She was 85 years old. And she was sweet as could be. And she, she had these sayings. And one of her sayings was, the same dog that will bring a bone will carry it. And what that means, with that questioned look on your face, it means the same person who will gossip to you will go and gossip about you. If they're gossiping to you, you got to get this. If they're talking to you about other people, they're talking to other people about you. Do you get that? It's not rocket science. Gossipers gossip. If they're gossiping to you, they're gossiping about you. So we don't want to be friends with the gossip. So what's this all about? There is a friend that's the best friend of all. There's a friend that loves you so much that he did the most incredible thing of all is that he left heaven and became a man so that he could understand what you're going through. The, the reason that Jesus became a man was for two reasons, so that he could be tempted in every way we are and so he could be killed because as God he couldn't be killed. Jesus became a man so that he could be killed and die in our place to die for our sins. That's how we know Jesus is our friend and he died to bring us in relationship. The whole the whole purpose the purpose of everything. So why why are we here? Why is there anything? Why, if you look into the universe and you see the stars and the galaxies and everything that exists that, that, has, that has come miraculously and unexplainably into existence, the reason it exists so that God could have a relationship with you and that you and God could be friends. All the animosity, all everything that would separate you from God, every sin that you've sinned and every foolish, stupid thing you've done is covered by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus who came and died our death. That is a friend, a friend who will die for you, and he loves you so much. He came and died in your place, in my place, so that we could know the relationship that he has with the Father, now we have. Now we are the sons of God. And it, it doesn't appear. We don't know what it's going to be, but we know that when he appears, we will be just like him. It's incredible. And that's the invitation of the ages. It's, it's the most incredible invitation of all time that the God of the universe who needs nothing, he doesn't need me, <laughs> he doesn't need you, he doesn't need us in the least, but he wants us, he desires us, and he sent his son to bring us into his family. He's chosen us and he wants you to be his. That's not, isn't that unbelievable? 
Because, hey, I know what a putz I was when Jesus came into my life. I was a fool. Riding around on car hoods and coke, coke boxes. If Jesus hadn't come to my life, I probably wouldn't have made it. But Jesus came. What a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a friend. Amen. Let's stand and pray. I'm keeping you from your tacos. And you got to catch them. They're free-range tacos. Uh, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful friendship that you you chose us. (laughs) What? It's unbelievable, Lord. We didn't choose you. We wouldn't have chosen you. But you looked down through eternity and called us to be your friends. You, You sent Jesus to the cross to die in our place so that we could be forever reconciled to God. No barriers, no sin, nothing separating us from a perfect, eternal relationship with the God of the universe. Thank you, Lord, for this incredible invitation to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, I'm gonna, hey, next week, I'm going to be back to some uh, scary stuff, so, so be praying for us. Be ready. See you next week. I love you. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.